0: Hey, SCF Student Ministries, Devin here, uh, just bringing you our last week of our goal series. Can't believe it's already been uh, three weeks, and here's our fourth week of the month before we start a new topic next month. Um, We've been talking a lot about setting and achieving our goals big goals, small goals, and even God sized goals. Uh, Everyone in this room, um, in youth group, and uh, if you're listening at home or wherever you're at, has achieved something before. And maybe you haven't changed the world yet, but you've done some pretty cool things like improving your grades or learning a new skill, uh, finishing a big project, making it through a big challenge that you faced. Um, whatever it is, we've we've done we've done cool things as a group. Um, so, what have you achieved recently? I want you to think on that. What is something that you've achieved recently? I want you to share that with somebody. Um, it's time to brag. And so. I want you to be thinking this week, uh, now that we've bragged about ourselves, let's let's think about how we can brag on each other. I want you to be able to share with someone this week what one of your friends, maybe someone in your family, share with someone else someone something else that someone else achieved. Um, we want to spread the joy that happens when we tell um, another friend of something our uh, brother or sister achieved. Uh, and and see the joy on their face when we when someone when we're bragging about a friend and someone that's close to us, um, because it feels good to be celebrated for our achievements, right? Um, I remember a time uh, when I was in college, um, uh, our track team achieved a pretty big goal, especially our uh, so our men's team at George Fox had um, since we'd been in our conference, which had been about close to twenty years at that point um, in the current setup that we were in. Um, We had never—our George Fox men's team had never won a uh, track conference championship. Uh, The women had won some, but the men's team had not been historically very good, uh, hadn't won yet. Um, And we'd been close. Uh, My junior year, uh, we were within just a few points of taking home a a conference championship. Um, And uh, so our senior year, going in our senior year, we were uh, pretty excited to go and get— uh, conference championship and, uh, um, or our junior year actually is when it was. Um, so we all had a goal. Um, me specifically was just trying to score as many points as I could, uh, to help our team in in any way that we could. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I was actually, it was our senior year. I was right the first time. <laughs> um, um, we had a big goal and uh, worked hard all year, and we got to that conference championship, won a conference championship. I was pretty excited. I got help with, uh, I scored points in high jump and long jump, which was cool, um, and really just had a lot of help. The rest of our team, a lot of people stepped up, and we achieved this goal that our school hadn't won a conference championship before, and we started winning them year after year after that, um, but I was so grateful for my teammates at the time and our coaches uh, that helped push us to that goal. It was cool to achieve that all together. Uh, So let's say your biggest goal in life uh, was to climb a mountain. So your family and friends all chipped in to buy you mountain climbing gear, they trained with you, they jumped on a plane with you, Uh, they climbed the whole mountain with you, and at the very top, they even grabbed your hand and pulled you up to the very finish because you were kind of tired by that point, right? Pretty awesome. Um, but what if that whole time you never once thought to say thank you um, to any of them? And that's not a very good look, right? Um, we've been talking a lot about setting and achieving our goals, but we couldn't wrap up this conversation without taking or without talking about these important words. Thank you is a phrase that you'll say pretty often in life, but today we're going to talk about how important this phrase is when it comes to our to our goals. Big goals, small goals, and even God-sized goals. And and as you guys know, for the last few weeks, we've been following the story of Nehemiah in the Bible, who had a big goal, um, and we're going to finally finish out that story and hear the end of it. Um, so quick recap, ne- Nehemiah is attempting to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and specifically the walls, after it was destroyed by an enemy army. Um, God had promised the Jews that they would one day return to Jerusalem, and, and they had been slowly rebuilding Jerusalem. Um, and ne- when Nehemiah learned that the walls were falling down, even though people were still living there, he wanted to repair the walls to honor God and protect his people. Um, and the king allowed Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem to build a team that would rebuild the walls. But he was facing a lot of opposition, which even cl- included threats of violence against him and his team. And they still, despite that, they continued to rebuild the um, walls. And in case you forgot, these there were two big reasons why Nehemiah cared so much about rebuilding these walls. And it wasn't because he had nothing better to do or anything like that. Uh, the practical problem was that without walls, God's people would be vulnerable to another attack like they'd been 140 years previously. Uh, but there was also a spiritual problem Uh, Because the city of Jerusalem was deeply connected with the Jewish people's relationship with God. And rebuilding the walls would be a way for them to honor God, but leaving them in shambles would be a sin against God. Uh, Nehemiah was eager to see the nation of Israel obey and turn back to God, so the sooner he could complete the wall, the better. Um, And after months of praying, planning, preparing, and recruiting a team, and standing strong in the face of option, uh, the walls were finally rebuilt in just 52 days. Uh, which is incredible. The completion of this building project was a huge deal for those people. Nehemiah had accomplished his goal and that was worth celebrating. So let's take a look at how Nehemiah celebrated his achievements and see if we can learn anything from that. Uh, So to celebrate the completion of the walls, Nehemiah threw a big party, but it wasn't a party for himself. He teamed up with Ezra, who was the city's priest and teacher of the law. Um, and they organized a big worship festival that was meant to honor God rather than themselves. Uh, Ezra read scripture to the residents of Jerusalem for hours and hours, leading everyone in worship and prayer. Um, and then Nehemiah took over from there and told everyone to celebrate. Uh, this is basically what's going on in Nehemiah chapter 8, which is around where we left off last week. Um, uh in particular, I'm just kind of summarizing, but in uh, verses 10 through 12 is where Nehemiah takes over from Ezra after they've been worshiping, worshiping, and invites everyone to really uh, they have a big meal prepared. And Nehemiah is having everyone eat and celebrate and uh, be joyful together. So not only were the walls uh, completed, but the Jewish people were turning their hearts back to God. So it was everything Nehemiah had hoped for when he set out to complete his goal uh, way back in chapter 1. When Nehemiah's goal was achieved, he celebrated with joy and he invited others to join him. And this festival went on for an entire week and ended with a time of worship and praise for what God had, had done. Uh, so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 9 now, uh, verses 5 through 31. So it's a little bit longer of a section. I'm going to read it all so you can follow along uh, in your own Bible. Uh, and the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashbani, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it. The seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything. And the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him to give you to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and the Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials, and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai, you spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath, and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors... "'became arrogant and stiff-necked, "'and they did not obey your commands. "'They refused to listen and failed to remember "'the miracles you performed among them. "'They became stiff-necked in their rebe- and in their rebellion "'appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. "'But you were a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, "'slow to anger and abounding in love. "'Therefore you did not desert them, "'even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf "'and said, "'This is your God.' who brought you up out of Egypt or when they committed awful blasphemies because of your great compassion you did not abandon them in the wilderness by day the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take you gave your good spirit to instruct them you did not withhold your manna from their mouths and you gave them water for their thirst for 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Beshon. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land, You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands along with their kings and the people of the land to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets, who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies, who oppressed them. But then when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers, who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven and in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. You warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances of which you said, the person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly they turned their backs on you, became stiff necked and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them by your spirit you warned them through your prophets yet they paid no attention so you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples but in your great mercy you did not put an end to them or abandon them for you are a gracious and merciful god so that was a long passage and it's recapping a lot of the history of the jewish people and their I would say rocky relationship with their creator who they loved and adored, but seemed to constantly turn away from. Um, And the Jewish people may have done the physical work to build the wall, but they knew the credit wasn't theirs. It was all God's and they may have been working hard for those 52 days, but God had been making and fulfilling promises to them since the beginning of time. And the completion of these walls was just one more fulfilled promise to add to their list. So when their goal was achieved, they gave God the credit. And here's how they did that. Number one, they praised God. Number two, they remembered what God had done for them. Number three, they acknowledged their own shortcomings, their mistakes, and their sins. And number four, they said thank you to God. And even after a full week of celebrations, the Jewish people were still weren't done celebrating and showing their gratitude for all that God had done for them. They had celebrated, they had given God the credit, but here's what they did next. And this is in uh, chapter 10, and it's verses 28 uh, through 39. So I'm going to read that for you if you want to follow along, Uh, starting in verse 28. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters, who are able to understand. All these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God, given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year we will forgo working the land and will cancel all debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths, at the new moon feasts and at the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings— for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people, have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree, As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all of our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms, where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the musicians are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. So when their goal was achieved the jewish people here they made tons of these promises to god and they'd already thanked god with their words and their songs but this was a deeper level of gratitude for them with these promises the jewish people thank god with their actions repentance is a word that you hear a lot in the bible and some people think that it means to apologize but it really is a deeper word than that there's more meaning to it because when you repent It means that you are completely turning away from your old behaviors and you're choosing to behave differently, not just apologizing for a past action. Uh, The Jewish people understood they could show their gratitude to God by repenting, which was changing their behavior and turning towards God when previously their ancestors had turned away from God. Um, But the Jewish people still weren't done. They knew God had done something big for them, so they wanted to do something big for God in return. And that brings us to chapter 12, uh, verses 27 through 44 that I am going to uh, read now. Uh, We're getting a big chunk of this from the Bible today. Um, This section is the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netaphetites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmapheth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks." One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, toward the dung gate. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zekur, the son of Asaph, and this is, and his associates, Shemaiah, Ezra, Millilai, Gilai. My, Nethanol, Judah, and Haniah, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall, together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshanah gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Minaniamim, Micaiah, Elonai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with their trumpets, and also Messiah, Shemai, Eleazar, Uzi, Johanan, Malchijah, Alhim, and Azair. The choirs sang under the direction of Jezrehiah, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruit, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. So, there's mostly, there's a big um, idea of, there's a lot of people here who expressed Gratitude to God. It names a lot of people. Um, it even lists instruments people use to express gratitude. And then there's a lot of actions going on here with uh, the choirs going in two separate directions, people following them, and then ending up at the house of the Lord. Um, over the last few weeks, we've mentioned that sometimes the story of Nehemiah is filled with a lot of seemingly unimportant details, uh, like listening names. Um, why do we need to know who played the harp? whose son showed up to the procession, or how many choirs there were. The fact that Nehemiah takes 18 verses to describe the details of this huge celebration should be a clue to pay attention to what's going on. Nehemiah probably didn't care if we remembered any of the specific names and details that happened. He just wanted us to imagine how grateful they were for everything God had done for them. And what a way to express gratitude to God. There's tons of people, tons of music, and tons of activity going on. When their goal was achieved, they worshiped God together. So the goal of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, they began with Nehemiah. And in the beginning, it was a goal shared between him and God and no one else. But over the course of, the, of this book and over time, Nehemiah's Godside goal outgrew just Nehemiah. He needed more people involved. And as more people got involved, passion grew for this God-sized goal. Nehemiah wasn't alone anymore in his desire to see his people turn back to God. And as more people got involved, Nehemiah's gratitude had to grow too. When his goal was between him and God, he only had God to thank for any progress he made. But when the entire community got involved, Nehemiah had to extend his gratitude to them too. So maybe that's why he mentions so many people by name throughout the book. That was his way of expressing gratitude for all of their hard work to help him achieve his goal. And when they finally achieved their goal, Nehemiah wasn't the only one uh, celebrating. By the time the walls were rebuilt, the entire city was worshiping God together. So when their goal was achieved, Nehemiah was grateful to God and to his community as well. And as Nehemiah's goal grew, his gratitude for both God and his community had to grow as well, because God-sized goals require God-sized gratitude. So throughout this series, we've been uh, inviting you to set uh, goals, whether they're big or small goals, or even these big God-sized goals like Nehemiah's goal. Uh, And first we said that big difficulties can inspire God-sized goals. So if you're looking for a goal to set or a problem uh, to solve, Start by looking for the difficulties in the world around you. God might be inviting you to help solve some of these problems. Second, we said that you are designed for God-sized goals. God made you to dream big, but God also gave you everything you need to do the work you're called to do. Uh, between your mind, your skills, your relationships, your resources, and the power of God, you're designed to achieve big things. And then last week, we said that God gives us strength to pursue God-sized goals. And this is because when we're trying to do something difficult, we're always eventually going to face some sort of opposition. But that's where the strength comes in. God gives us the strength to keep going. And as we close this series uh, today, I want you to think about the goals you've already achieved or are working on achieving right now, especially the ones you need God's help to complete. Even if your goal is still in progress, there is still something worth celebrating. Whatever your goals are, how can you grow your gratitude right now? What can you celebrate with joy? What progress have you already made? How have you grown? How have you seen God's God work? You don't need to wait until the end of a project to be joyful about the progress that you're making. How can you give God credit? Uh, most of the time when it feels like God isn't working or present with us, it's simply because we haven't noticed all that God is up to. So what's God doing right now and how can you give God credit? What promises can you make to God? It's one thing to thank God with our words, uh, but it's another to thank God with our actions. And how can you show gratitude for what God has done in you and through you by making God a promise? Lastly, what do you need to thank? Is it God? Probably. That's probably one thing. It might be a friend. It might be a family member, a mentor, um, your community. Just think who has helped you grow and achieve your goals recently. And how can you thank them? And one more question, how can we worship together saying thank you for all that God has done? Even if you feel like you haven't achieved as many goals as you wish you had achieved, there's still so much to be grateful for. God has done so much in you and through you, and this is really only beginning. So what's next for you? What goal is God inviting you to set when will we begin? I hope that this series has uh, gotten you at least asking those questions about what God has next for you and maybe he's already giving you ideas for goals to pursue. Um, Again, if you ever have questions or concerns or just need to talk through things that you think might be from God, like I am always available to talk about those things. Um, You can find me on social media or come up to me on Wednesday nights. Uh, You can ask our other leaders. There's other leaders within the church that can talk about. I'm sure you have parents or friends that you can bring those things, but talk through your goals, uh, figure out what God is telling you, what he's got planned for you, and exciting things are in store. Thank you, guys.